0: We have frequently expressed concerns about the evil influences of our society on each of us as individuals. Certainly as individual people trying to serve God, we have got to be concerned about the impacts this evil world has on us. This morning in our Bible class we talked about temptations and how we are confronted constantly with various forms of temptation. It's a great concern because as the world becomes more and more wicked, We, of course, have to work harder and harder to avoid those evil influences. But in addition to us being concerned about ourselves individually, I think we have also rightfully expressed concern for our families, that our families are being impacted by this evil world, and there are so many pressures and challenges confronting families that are trying to live godly lives in the midst of all this evil. We could spend lots of time citing statistics, and the statistics bear out, of course, how the evil world is hurting families. We could talk about uh, the breakup of marriages and how prevalent that is. We could talk about kids in all kinds of trouble, difficulties that, are, that they're facing. We could talk about Christians, both young and old, that we've known of who have fallen away from faithfully serving the Lord. We could cite all kinds of numbers and statistics. And sadly, by the way, we here at College View have not been immune from these evil influences. And so today what we want to do is we want to look to a specific family. We want to study their case, learn from their lives, and especially learn from the mistakes they made to see what we can do in guarding ourselves against the evil influences of the world. Before we get into that study... Let me stop just to express a word of welcome and thanks to everyone who is present here today. We're very grateful for your presence. We have a number of visitors and we thank you for coming. Always good to see visitors and we appreciate you. Of course, we very much appreciate our own spiritual family here at College View and glad to be together on a beautiful Lord's Day to worship God. We certainly pray that he will be glorified by all that we do in our service this day. Thanks to each one of you for being here today. I suggested that we want to study a specific family and their case, what we could learn. What would that family be? Are we going to call out one of our families this morning and say, well, there's that family, let's learn from it? No, we're not talking about a modern-day family. We're talking about a family of old. We want to talk about Lot's family from the Old Testament and the book of Genesis. If you put together your Bible chronology, you come to the conclusion that Lot, who of course was the nephew of Abraham, lived about 4,000 years ago. That's a long time ago. But the things that happened in Lot's family could very much be something that happened to a family living today. A little bit of background of the story that we'll be studying is found in Genesis 13. In Genesis chapter 13, it says there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram, uh, Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between thy herdsmen and my herdsmen. Uh, For we be brethren, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from thee. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. As you stop to think about this decision uh, that Lot made, it says that he chose to go to the to the plain of Jordan to dwell in the cities there and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. What was the basis upon what upon which Lot made that decision? I think most of us would agree that it seemed to be a selfish decision on his part one based upon material considerations he's a herdsman down in that plain of jordan the pastures are well watered it's really great for herds if i go there my business will prosper my business is herds and flocks and cattle and sheep and down there in that well watered plain of of the jordan river that would be a great place for my business my business will do well there and so he made a decision it seems to me quite clear that he made the decision based upon materialistic considerations. Of course, the decision that he made turned out to be a disastrous one for him and his family. Now, something that we should note before we pass from, from this background information is what it says here. Even when Lot went to Sodom, this wasn't, the, the problems in the city of Sodom didn't develop after Lot got there. They were already there. They already had a reputation for wickedness. The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord, exceeding. They were. It was an exceedingly sinful place. When Lot made his decision to move there, that being the case, uh, he should have not gone there uh, in the first place. He should have moved his family from there when he when he experienced it firsthand. He should have thought about the spiritual consequences that were about to befall him and his family, but he didn't. And that's what we really want to concentrate on in our lesson this morning. Genesis 13, 12 says, Lot uh, dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. We want to to consider some of that. Sodom was a real wicked place, and, and Lot's family was living there. What about us? The world today is a real wicked place. I think you would agree with me that wickedness and immorality is increasing just uh, at exponential rates. And here we are trying to raise families in this wicked place. What can we learn from Lot's failure? Lot's going to be a lesson in failure. What can we learn from him and avoid in our own experience? Well, when Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom, the first thing that happened was that his family became infected with the immorality of that evil society. When you use the word infected, probably what we think of more often than not is some kind of a physical sickness, uh, some kind of uh, uh, bacterial or viral infection that might come upon us. If you had your family and you knew that there was someone who had uh, a contagious disease, what would you do? Would you just go right, get your family, say, come on, let's go over there and see those folks. Uh, so-and-so has got uh, uh, meningitis. Over there at so-and-so's house, they, they've been diagnosed with meningitis. Let's go see them. Let's go visit them. Let's go spend some time with them. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> You'd do just the opposite, right? Say, I'm not going around them. I sure don't want to expose my family. I wouldn't want my children to be infected with what they have We're going to stay away from them because there's a chance we could catch what they got, right? That's what we would do. Just common sense says that's what we would do with our families in regards to a physical danger. Lot, on the other hand, took his family immediately into the environment of this spiritual wickedness and they became infected with it. There's several indications that Lot's family was in real trouble. Uh, Lot's wife is famous. We're going to hold comments about her until a little bit later. His daughters also were pretty famously evil. We'll talk more about them later. But just to illustrate how his family just became infected with the, the spiritual disease of Sodom, I want to point out to you chapter 19, verse 14. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 14, Lot had already been warned by the angel that this destruction of Sodom was coming And so it says in Genesis 19, verse 14, Lot went out and spake to his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-laws. Have you ever studied about this expression, the King James says that he had sons-in-law in in the city of Sodom? There's, There's a divided opinion here as to whether these were men who were already married to some daughters that Lot had, which would suggest that he had other daughters besides the two who escaped from the city with him. That's, and I, there, that's a possibility. Others think that these sons-in-laws were ones who were engaged to his daughters, not yet married, but they, they had been committed in an arrangement of marriage to those two daughters that we'll, we'll talk about later. I think it could go either way. In fact, If you look at uh, modern English translations of this verse, they're almost equally split as to whether these men were already married to some daughters of Lot or whether they were men who were engaged to the two daughters of Lot that we know of. And it, It doesn't really matter. At least these were people who were connected to the family of Lot. That's the point that we're making. So Lot goes to them. He warns them about what's about to happen. And notice, it says he seemed as one that mocked. And to his son in laws. They thought him to be foolish, to be, oh, he's just out of touch. He's completely unreal. Are, are you serious, Lot? You honestly want us to believe that this is going to happen? And so they just dismissed the warning. They were unconcerned about the danger. Now, I think this indicates just how far it had gone, not only in the city of Sodom, but with Lot's family in particular. What about us? I think it's equally possible for us to become so callous to the evil around us that we begin to mock about the warnings when they are posted. When someone tries to alert us, when someone tries to tell us that something bad is going on, that evil can have horrible consequences in our lives, some people tend to mock at that. And and it has happened. We're not talking about in the ancient days of Lot in the city of Sodom. We're talking about right now. And unfortunately, even sometimes in the Lord's own church, people mock at the warnings about the spiritual dangers that are around. For instance, when we talk about the evils associated with movies or TV or the Internet, oh, that's just, that, those those folks who are given those warnings, they're just old folkies, they're out of touch. That's not a big problem. I'm not worried about that. My family can handle that. When, when we talk about the sin of Immodesty, or when we warn about the evil of social drinking, when we tell people that it's a sin to dance, all oh, that, whoever's given those warnings is just out of touch. That's foolishness. That's unrealistic. It's not a big problem. No danger. No worry. I, what I see here when it says that Lot's son-in-law mocked at him when he tried to warn them, just shows how deeply infected his family had become with the evil of the society they were living in. What about us? When we have even Christians who mock at warnings against sin and evil dangers, I think we find ourselves in the same situation that Lot's family was in, infected with immorality, having become calloused to the danger, wandering around completely unaware of all that potentially can befall us. We've got to be careful. See what happened to Lot's family? Because he was living in that wicked place. What about us? Another thing that we see in the case of Lot was that there was a reluctance to flee from evil. We already said that Lot should have never gone there in the first place. He should have gotten out earlier than this when he saw how bad it was. He shouldn't have gone there at first, but then when he directly experienced the evil of the city of Sodom, He should have certainly gotten out. But now look, even when an angel tells him what's coming, he hesitates to leave. In Genesis 19, verses 15 through 16, when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold on his hand, upon the hand of his wife, upon the hand of his two daughters. Notice, he lingered. He knew what was coming. He'd been told by an angel what was coming, and yet he still hesitated to get out. He knew how bad it was, and he knew what was about to transpire, but still it says that he lingered. You know what's interesting? Second Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 7, tells us that this, is, this all this evil going on had been bothering him for a long time. Second Peter 2, beginning verse 7, says, Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked... For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The angel coming and warning Lot wasn't the first indication that he had. He knew himself. This had been tearing him up. He was vexed with all the evil he'd been seeing and hearing from day to day, all this wickedness and unlawful deeds that were around him. And yet, he didn't do anything. He didn't get up. He didn't leave. And even when the angel warned him, he still lingered and wouldn't hurry himself to get out of town. He wouldn't leave. Well, I think, again, that I can see an application of that to us. Too often, we continue in things that we know we should give up. Too often, we stay involved in things that we know we should quit. Evil catches us. It holds us. It even addicts us. And we continue in things that we know we should quit doing. How often have you said, or have you heard others say, I know I should, and they go on to tell what they should do, but they don't. That's the same idea of Lot here, who would not leave. Instead of leaving, instead of doing the right things, we offer excuses and self-justifications. We're making a huge mistake, and we're following the same path of Lot in Sodom. Here's what we ought to do. In 1 Peter chapter 6, beginning verse 10, Paul says the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's materialism. Remember, we said Lot's initial problem appeared to be materialism. Here, Paul is writing about materialism, the love of money. But but thou, O man of God, notice he says, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. And so instead of staying connected with the evil temptations of the world, we should flee from them. But we allow ourselves to stay in contact, to continue to be exposed, and therefore ourselves and our families continue to be threatened. There's an interesting contrast here. Notice Paul said, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Do you see a contrast there? In order to follow after righteousness and godliness, faith, love, and patience and meekness, we've got to flee the evil influences of the world. You can't have it both ways. And unfortunately, that's what some people are trying to do. They're trying to stay connected with the world while also claiming that they follow the Lord and it won't work. And we need to give up these things. We should have no reluctance to flee from evil. lot did, and unfortunately, sometimes we do as well. Another thing that we could say about Lot is that fear reigned in his life rather than faith. Even when an angel of God had warned him and promised protection, Lot expressed fear and indecision. Notice in Genesis 19, verse 17, the angel said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my lord. I cannot escape to the mountain unless some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee into; It is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Now, I want you to, to picture this in your mind. A lot is miraculously told by an angel the destruction that's about to come upon the city of Sodom. And instead of rushing out of there, he lingers and he expresses a fear for doing the right thing. If he does what he's told to do, the angel said, flee to the mountains. If he does that, he fears the consequences of doing what God's messenger told him that he was supposed to do. Do you see that? He was afraid of the consequences. He wasn't afraid of the consequences, apparently, of the evil that was all around him and his family in the city. So apparently, that didn't concern him. But he was afraid of the consequences of doing what God said he should do. Isn't that backwards? Instead of fearing the evil world, he feared to do what God said to do. Instead of fearing those consequences of all the evil, he feared the consequences that would come upon him when he did what God said he would do and promised to bless him in the doing of it. That's amazing. He feared the consequences of obedience. Well, what about us? Is it possible that we do the same thing? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in the passage that Danny read for us earlier, Paul said, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Notice, we are to come out from among the evil world. Well, yeah, I know that's what it says, but are we potentially fearing the consequences of doing that are we like lot we're we're afraid to come out let me see if i could illustrate uh, an example of this we i mentioned just a mo- just briefly mentioned a moment ago the idea of immodesty it's a huge problem in our world and and although we're having some of the coldest weather we've had all winter this weekend we're just a few weeks away from springtime and of course, as soon as the first warm days of spring arrive, people start shedding their clothes. You know that. Well, I've got my kids. I just, I just hate for my kids to be different from the other kids you now. And so I let my kids wear some clothes that I know are inappropriate for a God-fearing person to wear, but I just, I don't want my kids to be different, you know. I hate for them to have to suffer the consequence of someone thinking they're an oddball or out of, out of step. And so I let them do some things that they probably shouldn't do because I'm afraid of the consequences if I do the right thing. I don't want them to be different. Well, it's springtime. We've got the, well, we've got the prom coming up at school, you know. And I know we've, we've studied before about the evils of modern dancing. I understand that. But this is a once-in-a-lifetime event for the kids. And I, and I just I, I would hate for them to miss out on that I'd hate for him to be sort of outcast in the matter of not attending the prom, so I'm going to let him go. What is that? Let me ask you, what is that? Is that not exactly what Lot was doing when he expressed fear for doing what God told him to do? God said, do this and I'll protect you. God promised to bless him if he would do the right thing, and Lot was afraid to do it. What about us? We know what's the right thing to do personally. We know what the right thing is to do for our families, and yet we express fear of the consequences of doing what God said to do. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's not a lot different. We need to uh, heed the admonition here. Come out. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. We have to be willing to suffer that consequence. It's the right thing to do. But the promise is that if we do it, God will bless us. Just like Lot, God promises to bless us when we do the right thing. Luke 13, verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. There's the promise. Do you believe it? Will you come out and be separate to receive this blessing from the Lord? In the case of Lot, he feared to do what was right. Do we fear that? In the case of Lot, there was a deadly yearning for earthly things. Here, I'm talking about what is probably the most famous part of this story, and that's when Lot's wife looked back. Remember in Genesis 19, verse 17, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape thou to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Don't look back. Go and don't look back. At the beginning of verse 24, it says, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of Saul. As I said, this part is probably the most remembered of this episode when Lot's wife looked back. Even with all that had happened and all that was going on at the moment, it seems she still had a longing to look back to the city, to see that place, to see what was going on there. Maybe, although we'd be speculating somewhat, maybe still expressing an attachment for the things there. I don't know, and again, I I don't think this is provable, but if it were the case that they had other children, maybe other daughters who were married to sons-in-law who wouldn't leave the city maybe even a family attachment back there, but there was a longing for what was left behind. Again, I would ask us about our conduct, about our thinking. Uh, Do we still have an attachment to the things of the world? Are we still looking back Uh, to the extent that even though we know better, we still long to participate in the things of the sinful world around us? Are we... In that sense, like Lot's wife, are we desiring to look back into the things of the world? Jesus said in Matthew 6, beginning verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus said very directly, you can't have it both ways. You're going to have to make up your mind. Where is your treasure? What matters to you? Is it to do the things of God or is it to participate in the things of the world? You've got to decide. You can't have it both ways. Finally, in the case of Lot, I think we see that immorality took root and grew in his family. We already said that his family had become infected with the immorality of that society, but I think we could say that the immorality actually took root and grew. Uh, Someone might say, well, you know, Lot got out of there. Uh, He did. Uh, And and although he lost his wife, someone might say at least he saved his two daughters who were with him. But of course, you know this story and you know how it goes on to end. He did not, in fact, spare the evil consequence against his daughters. Uh, That evil impact stayed so long. He had stayed so long that the evil impact was permanent in the case of himself, his daughters, his family. You know the story. Genesis 19, verse 30, beginning, Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. We won't go on to read the rest of that story, but you know the story of drunkenness and incest which, which pursued. His family was completely devastated by the experience of living in wicked Sodom. Now, what about that? We've been saying all through our lessons, morning, we live in a wicked time, we live in a wicked place. But I am going to tell you, I think I can handle it. I, and I, I, I know, I know there's, still, there's some bad stuff around but but I think that I can handle it. And my family. I, I, I don't believe that my family will be influenced in a bad way. i I got, I got a handle on that. I can handle it. My family can handle that. My kids know better. My my kids won't fall victim to that sort of stuff. Really? You really believe that? You can't learn from a story like Lot's to see how the evil of that time infected his family and how it ruined his family. You can't learn from your own experience of people you've known whose personal lives and families have been completely devastated by evil and weakness. You think you can handle it when nobody else can You think you're stronger, more spiritually mature than all the rest? You know, Paul said, let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. If you've got that kind of arrogance which says, I don't think it can affect me. I don't think my family will be adversely influenced. You better think again, because that's just simply not right. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, beginning verse 27, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? You know, the wise man here wasn't talking literally about taking fire and holding it against yourself or walking on hot coals. He was talking about you can't be around bad things without being influenced by them. The answers to these questions are obvious. Obviously, you can't take fire in your bosom and your clothes not be burned. Obviously, you can't walk on hot coals and your feet not be burned. But it's equally obvious that you can't be allow yourself and your family to be fully exposed to the wickedness of this world and not be influenced by it. You will get burned. We need to learn the lesson. And so here's a family story, the story of Lot when he pitched his tents toward Sodom. A sad story, to be sure. Uh, a, A story of total wreck and ruin, total loss. When Lot went there, he was a wealthy man, but he had designs on getting richer. And instead, what happened when he went there is he lost everything, literally everything. He ended up living in a cave. Lot lost everything because he wasn't wise enough to sense the dangers around him and to deal with them. What about us? Are we wise enough to learn the lesson for ourselves, for our families? We need to think carefully about it. These matters. Appreciate your good attention to what we had to say. Please think about the world we live in and, and all the harm that it can cause us and our families. As we bring the lesson to a close, we're going to sing a song of invitation. We've not taught the plan of salvation in this lesson, obviously, but we always try to repeat it. It's an easy plan to understand. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done that, you need to make that decision without delay. We'd be glad to assist you. We're also willing to study with you. Please make that decision for the Lord. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen away, come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Shall it be? What?